In a world full of distractions, there is one big question on every dog owner's lips. How do I become more than just the person holding the other end of the leash? We all get dogs of a dream in mind, a vision of the future. And if right now your everyday reality isn't quite that picture you had in mind, you are in the right place. It really doesn't have to be this way. You absolutely can and will be more to your dog than just the person who gets in between them and the world. The key is you need to be more sexy. More sexy than the neighbourhood cat. More sexy than the jogger in the park. More sexy than that half-eaten hamburger they just found on the floor. And yes, even more sexy than the dog across the road. I'm Tom. And I'm Lauren. Together Together we're Absolute Absolute Dogs. Dogs. And you're listening to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast, the podcast that teaches you how to beat the environment, how to get a dog who effectively chooses you over everything else. And this episode is especially important for that. Now, it's a cool episode because both Tom and I, professional dog trainers, vet behaviorists, you know what? We see dogs on a daily basis with owners who say, oh, I get it that they can do it for food, but how about when you take the food away? How does it work when you no longer have that food in your hands? Mm -hmm. How about when you haven't got that treat or that bribe as as some people might see it like how does it work without the reward or reinforcer directly on their nose yeah absolutely and the interesting thing is is that in part you know this story has to start with how this can go wrong and it can go wrong like there are some what can happen is some training can set up a dog who effectively is almost like x-raying your hands checking out what you've got to see if it's a good deal and that is when we focus on effectively trying to do a trade from, you know, they do a behavior, we give them food. They do a behavior, we give them food. The cool thing is, is in the games-based dog training world, in the game-changer world, the absolute dog's world, what we're doing is we're, we're actually teaching them concepts. We're teaching them skills. We're reshaping their brain so that in the absence of food, they are still behaving in a really reliable way. So an example, this morning I called Classic. Classic was eating sort of scatter food on the bank. I called her, she came in, I told her she was amazing and it was still a good deal for her. And yet I didn't actually have any food that I was calling her back with. And very rarely do I go out for walks with food in my pockets. And so I think this is maybe the sort of magic touch or the the hidden information that people don't necessarily um, work out or see or, or maybe people would just like to know. Yeah, absolutely. And so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of dive into what are some tips, strategies, games that we use that actively move our dogs to really just working with us for the joy of working with us and going through life with us together, which unlocks a greater level of freedom for you and your dog. So, because we, we say reinforcement rich life, yeah. right? And, and I think that's where we've got to look at it in so many different ways. Just think about you or I, for example, there are so many things we we both find reinforcing yeah. and yet they're likely, some of them are similar mm-hmm. and some of them are very, very different. Yeah. Like there are, there are definitely things that we both find reinforcing that are completely different. And I think that's how we have to start looking at our dogs and our dog's worlds mm-hmm. and, and actually the picture that we we have for them because actually there's a whole range there's a whole menu out there and some people just aren't tapping into it yet right absolutely absolutely and so i guess the first thing that we're going to start with is what is kind of a it's obvious when we say it but so many dog owners and dog trainers kind of don't realize this or bypass it and that is that if you're working with an animal 
and consistently they are getting a great deal for working with you. So every time you call them away from something, you're calling them away from something. Say, I don't know, let's talk, let's go squirrel because it's sexier than a squirrel podcast. You call them away from the squirrel, but you give them such a great experience when they come back that they think that was a good deal. If we consistently do that, well, think about it. You've probably got someone in your life where every time you meet up with them, every time you have an interaction with them, it's fun, right? And now imagine that you're going to, you, you've got something in the diary for Friday evening this week. What emotion are you feeling? You're feeling excitement. You're feeling relaxed because you know that they've got you covered. You always have a good experience with this person but because you consistently have that. Let's flip it on its head and let's say every time that you, I don't know, um, sit down and do paper trails and paperwork, yeah. you have a dull time. It's not something you enjoy. It's something that's in your diary. And yet it's so easy to sort of bypass I'm it and go, I'm really busy. I'm feeling a different emotion right now. Right? Doing all the paperwork, <laughs> catching up on all the emails, doing all the, like, the, 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 the day to day, mm. right? Like we know that we are feeling completely yeah. different about that experience, you right? You dread and it, right? You dread it. And so, you know, what, what, we, what we've got to be aware of in the relationships that we have with our dogs is we want it to be one of positive anticipation, not dread. And yet all the, the, the emotion of dread comes about when consistently there has been a bad deal. Consistently and there's been a negative outcome. So the outcome that they are um, expecting each time is, is pretty much the same. It's and and it's, it's a disappointment. It's, it might be, I don't know, um, one of, um, so, so Tokyo, I had a, um, a recall um, area to work on. And it was getting in the car mm. and it was, I was calling him and I was putting him in the car and he actually didn't enjoy getting in the car. Mm. So actually that was something I stopped putting my recall and pairing it with the vehicle. Yeah because I realized that it was a disappointment for him and I needed to work separately on the vehicle yeah. and then keep topping up the recall. And really quickly, we got over that hurdle. At the same time, this is the sort of thing that a lot of people don't spot and identify yeah. and capture quickly before it becomes a problem. Absolutely. And, you know, to, to go into kind of the science of this and the geeky element of this, disappointment in dogs is way more powerful than we realize and we know right now. I did um, a study in, I think it was like 2012 or 13, I don't remember. Um, and um, and what it looked at is it did this experiment, this, this effectively this game, where on one side of the room, there was a bowl and whenever the bowl was on that side of the room, they got a piece of cheese. And then on, there was a, another location on the other side of the room. And if the bowl was ever in that location, they didn't get a reward. They didn't get the cheese. Now, very quickly, the dogs learn if the bowl is in, you know, the, the no reward side, I'm not going to bother going to it. If the bowl is in the reward side, I'm going to go to it and I'm going to anticipate cheese. Now, then what the, the game did is said, right, let's put the bowl, a bowl in between those two locations. And so what um, the, the, the results showed is that actually, if the bowl was, say, I don't know, five centimeters, 10 centimeters away from the, the non-rewarded side, well, the dogs would go to it, but they go to it slowly because they'd be like, mm, it's, you know, near the no reward side, it's unlikely. Um, and they'd quickly learn not to bother going to it. And then there was the, the most interesting location was actually the, the bowl location that was 10 centimeters away from the rewarded side. Now, the key is that when we were doing these intermediate locations, there was no cheese in the, the bowl at any time. The only time there was ever cheese in the bowl was when it was on the reward side. And the location that was 
close to the reward side, but not quite the reward side. They would run up to it once, discover that there was no cheese in it, and that would be that would be such a punishing experience for them, the disappointment of anticipating a great experience and not getting it, that actually they would go way more slowly to that bowl location than if it was like smack bang in the middle of the room. And I would guess that there were some dogs, and I'm thinking classic here, that actually would stop going at all potentially yeah. at some point. Like they would totally be like, offended. actually, I'm completely offended by this. I remember training her once when, and, and there was a disappointment effect in our training. I remember she took herself home. She was yeah. like, I'm going home now. I'm, Packed I'm her done. bags, got a suitcase you have on. Me, she human. literally was like, human, <laughs> we're done. And it and was like you, one of those moments in training where you, you realize disappointment's huge. Exactly. And yeah, I, I was doing this um, this experiment, this study um, as, a, as a young vet, and I couldn't help but kind of put my dog trainer hat on there and think, hold on a second. How much is this disappointment effect factoring into people's training on a day day to day basis where the dog anticipate, you know, the dog's running back to you having just recalled from a squirrel and they're thinking that they're a superhero and they're the best dog in the world and that they're going to have an amazing experience. And we hand them a piece of kibble to their mouth. Or even, even, even worse, right? Like you just drop it on the floor. Yeah. Like you, you literally, there you go, have that. And and I think that was one of the biggest things that shocked me when I um, first started working with so many different breeds is how much variety yeah. there is in terms of how you reward. So I know when um, working with, with my border collies, I've always felt like they're my comfy slippers. Like they actually feel like I'm wearing comfy slippers versus when I first went to my, my very first working cocker, it was like, stilettos yeah. like it was it was like going to a whole new breed yeah. and yeah. learning a whole new range of um reinforcement and a whole new opportunity for like for blink she has a huge joy of carrying things yeah. carrying things just lights her up she, like she adores mm. just carrying things it's not so much the that there isn't necessarily the prey drive in there for her mm. it's the holding and it's yeah. the um it's the bringing close to you whereas you look at a dog like let's say classic I was completely blown by by a whole new range again of of, of, of reinforcement yeah. options, and I think this is where we start to we start to become a bit more educated in what our dogs actually yeah, are finding 100%. reinforcing, and stop thinking this is reinforcing because I've seen a, a person reward with this. This is look at your dog in mm. it, exactly how they are. Look at what they are showing you, and and mm. do they look disappointed? If they look disappointed, they probably are, right? Yeah, like I think that's, that's the exactly, other thing. You can you can see the joy kind of fall out of them now. Um, so I guess kind of what do we do from this? Like, that's the problem. What's the solution here? I guess, that you know, what we like to think about when we notice that this is happening or when we're wanting to create um, a real kind of desire to work with us in a dog, we say, right, for the next three weeks, I'm going to make sure that I provide this, this, this training partner, this dog, with amazing great experiences when they do something with me so that they start to so that i start to become their the, the friend in the diary where if they have something scheduled in with me they think this guy's going to give me a good and deal if there's like a double booking they're going to take yours yeah. right now i remember a time where and, and this has not happened often in my life hint hint matt and um, we went out for a fine dining style meal and i remember this was we were abroad so we were on holiday and um when we went for this meal i remember thinking at the time this is an odd experience like this is mm. different and then the more i into it i mean all of the different meals that they were bringing and they were very very small um and very very everyone was an experience everyone was and they were beautiful uh, they tasted amazing tiny tiny amounts now if you think about that every opportunity when you're out with your dog whether you're using their food whether you're using toys whether you're using being out and about whether yeah. you're using swimming or going to sniff or going off hunting whatever you're using consider that joyful experience in a nutshell yeah. and how can you really enhance it or optimize it for the dog so i'm thinking here with my border collies i used to 
think that food wasn't the best reinforcer. Actually, if I deliver it well, it really yeah. is. And I, I did a training session with Tokyo this morning and he was um, doing um, some running foot targets. Um, so I was playing running foot target games, something I do for lots of different reasons and agility. And I was really delivering the food in a whole new way with him. And he was fast and he was on it and he was really sort of um, punchy with it. Yeah. And yet a few years back, I'd have said he's not a food motivated dog. Yeah. So there's so much we can do in delivery and experience. Yeah, right? absolutely. And so I guess this leads on to our, our next tip for you, which is don't think about the object. Don't think about, you know, if we ask you, how, we, how are you rewarding your dog? What we don't want you to say is food. What we want you to say is I'm, I'm using food to, an, I'm animating food in the form of playing catch, in the form of rolling it, in the form of hiding it and then seeking it out. And what we've got to think is the whole experience, for every object that um, is almost an opportunity to, to create an experience, there are tens of experiences that we can create. And in turn, we can adapt those experiences to our dogs. So, you know, Lauren mentioned about blink and carrying. Well, it's the same toy as we might play with, say, Tokyo and a completely different game so his totally game would be game. punching it at you yeah. so his game is to like throw it at you head shake and then run around again and then throw it at you kind of like a punch game whereas Blinks is to wag her whole body and to kind of dance yeah. with it in front of you like a little like dancing she just wants to be there in front of you yeah. and to carry and her joy in carrying is different and and I think that's where we we really see a whole new picture yeah. in terms of reinforcement here's the other thing that I find really interesting so let's say um, yesterday we had a full on day we were filming all day we had yeah. a full on day classic was absolutely full she was stuffed she was like literally it's like she'd been out for nine course dinners <laughs> she was absolutely stuffed anyway she had a lesson in the evening so they were doing a lesson in the evening and she was working with eliza and she still wanted to work for food but if you'd put it in a bowl, there was no interest in it at yeah. all and yet catching it she was catching it like a little snapdragon mm. it was like like yeah. she really was like bouncing off it yeah. and yet Really, the the food itself wasn't what she wanted, and the I love taste was not the benefit. It, there. I love when you see that because partly, I mean, she had had enough food, so it was it was like really classic. We need to stop now. <laughs> However, she still wanted to work, and she still wanted the experience of the the counts, the, yeah. the, the catching and the the doing right, and that's yeah. the place we want to get to. Absolutely, and so you know. Moving on to the next tip, I guess it is that if we want to move away from it being all about the food, well, we need to incorporate variety into the way that we reward our dogs. Because when you incorporate lots of variety and with each different, you know, way that we might reward our dog and experience with which we reward our dog, it's a great deal. That then gives us the room to move away from food at times. So it allows us to, you know, not rely on food and one reward strategy. And our dogs always think it's a good deal because that's what we practice. And so let's take dog sports or let's take agility in this instance. For me, for example, I was training um, a course out there last night. Um, and when I was training that course, the experience and the opportunity and the reward is sometimes the next piece of equipment. Yeah. Now, a couple of times, Classy was a little bit naughty and, and she didn't do exactly what I wanted on her end behaviors of a contact mm -hmm. so actually i didn't let her carry on and go to the next piece of equipment yeah. no biggie let's do it again yeah let's go back to the start and she was like 
oh, really? And so I, I think a level of actually you don't get to carry on sometimes. Yeah. And equally, the reward of carrying yeah. on is really powerful. Absolutely. So you get to carry on. So the next jump, the next tunnel, the next weave pole, the next retrieve, the next scent article, whatever it is, mm. the opportunity to go forward to the next piece of equipment. And, and that the cool thing is, is that effectively, you know, just as um, sport is a game, life's a game in that respect. And I was doing a, a Facebook Live um, in our training training academy student group um, yesterday um, for all of the training academy members. And what, what I was demonstrating is that Ketone values her boundary so much and values being on her bed so much because we've created that as a high value behavior and high value area that actually she will have that as a reward. So I can call her off the boundary. I can ask for a few repetitions of middle and I can send her back to the boundary, no food involved. And she's like, oh my goodness, that was just the best experience and ever. And the cool <laughs> thing with that is then you have household visitors and yeah. you have maybe, I don't know, the postman or maybe a bit of chaos. The boundary is a huge privilege. Yeah. It's a huge reward. It's a huge sort of safe space, positive space, yeah. good space. And so we've actually got lots of reinforcers that we might not even realize at our fingertips. Exactly. And so those of you who are listening and thinking, I don't know what boundary games are or what, you know, how I train my dog to stay on a, a bed and see value in that. It's honestly, th this is one of the steps to actually working without food and not relying on food. And so if you want to grow those, we um, put together a DVD called Boundary Games, very creatively named. And you can, um, you can get hold of that DVD or digital download in the Absolute Dog Store at absolute-dogs.com. And that's a great starting point, actually, to building a, a, an absence of food and life's a game and life's a reward throughout your day. And I think that's the biggest thing, because when you get to the point that you don't need to rely on the yeah. food pouch. Like I, I, Tom, we both walk on the moors, right? Yeah. We walk on the moors frequently together, mm -hmm. separately. Um, we walk on the moors, we get out and we hike and yeah. we get moving. And, and there's so, a lot of distractions. There's a heck of a lot of distractions. And you don't, um, I definitely don't take bum bags full of food. No. I, I don't really remember to take pocketfuls no. full of food. And yet our dogs have been trained up to this point We've got them to the point with food. We have ditched the bowl. We have ditched the routine. We have done a lot of um, sort of working with whether that's raw kibble or whatever else we work with away yeah. from that 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 space. Once we're at this, this sort of point that our training is actually very reliable, we can really start to vary it, mix yeah. it, and, and like we said, ditch it. And I'm just thinking to an experience I had with the police only a few weeks ago. No, it's safe. Don't worry. We can talk <laughs> about it. So the experience with the police a few weeks ago, I was up working um, it, with, the, with the police and the, the dog team. And I asked them, why are you using toys and not food? And why are you using this instead of food? Just really out of interest, for my own interest. And I kind of understood what I thought, but actually it was nice to hear it from another perspective. And what they said to us was, look, Lauren, we're sometimes out 14, 15, 16 hours de our days. Mm -hmm. When we select a dog and when we pick a dog, of course we can work with dogs that like food. However, can you imagine 16 hour days with sausage in your pockets and carrying mm -hmm. around and chopping treats and running out of food on a job? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just not really that practical. Yeah. And so actually we need to change it to the work itself. And most of their dogs are driven by some form of toy or mm -hmm. some form of tennis ball or Kong or something yeah. like that. Or sometimes the joy of, of the work and the experience of the, the handler. And interestingly, very, very similarly to what we would explain, it was it was very much the experience. Mm -hmm. It's very much the um, the enhanced, optimized experiences that dog has. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, on that, 
we want to arm you with something right now that we think you can, you know, you, all the strategies that we've talked about, all the games that we've talked about, absolutely, you now get the idea of how you can move away from food. And weirdly, it all starts with food, but creating an experience from it and then adding in variety. But there, you can also do this in a more intentional way. And so sometimes what we'll do is we'll create these things called secondary reinforcers or secondary rewards. And what that means is that... You, it's not something that your dog naturally values right now. They don't naturally think this is the best experience ever, but we can create it as a good experience. So let me give you an example. All of my dogs, one of the first things that I'll do with them, because it's it's just so easy to create this and we'd recommend this would be the one that you maybe think about playing around with, is I will clap my hands and Lauren will do this the same. We'll clap, 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 and then we'll bowl food. We'll clap, 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 we'll bowl food. We'll clap, 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 we'll bowl food. We'll clap, 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 we'll catch food. And we'll clap, 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 and we'll change energies, yeah. right? So the energy in the room changes. Yeah, we'll, so it's clap, like, we'll, we'll clap, 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 run Feed, away. Run right? away. Like, uh, for me, it's like a, um, it, it's, it's an energy up. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's, a, it's a cool space. Like, I know that if I'm out with any of our dogs, yours, mine, literally any of our dogs, um, if I clap, I don't even have to, like, it's so powerful. Yeah. And it's not even one that we really, we, we do do it intentionally now. At the same time, it was always it something happened, we did, right? Yeah, it just happened kind of organically. organically. And then we're like, hold on a second. This is one of our tools that we use in the absence of food. Well, clapping as a reward and clapping is seen as a and good deal. All of our dogs love it. It's almost like a, an energy up, a reset, a, um, a break, a balance break within their work. Like yeah. it could be in so many different um, sort of spheres of, of what we're doing. And it does all start with puppies, mm. clap, 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 feed. So yeah. when we've got a young dog we're working with or whether um, we are training someone else's young dog it's something natural to us isn't it yeah absolutely and then kind of leading on from that you can then actively create games the game like for example those of you who have done the sexier than a squirrel challenge you will know many games in the sexier than a squirrel challenge where you've played them with your dog well and there's your at dog, least 25 in there there's 25 and you've played them with your dog and your dog loves them and they light up when they do them right and those games in themselves are rewards so what you can start to do is actually reward with a game and the example that we often give is bet's leg weaves she absolutely goes mad for leg weave she loves them to the point where we can like when we used to take her um, sheepdog training and um, and we do crazy things like we call her off the sheep and do then we leg do, weaves. do leg weaves and the sheep the sheepdog trainers were like what are they weird. doing so weird what are they doing? so and then weird they'd secretly ask us afterwards like how Why did you, you do, do that, that and how yeah <laughs> oh, so or, you know she does like a great instant down in a head of sheep then you know what let's call her to us let's do some leg weaves and then let's send her back and the key is that when you're when the work is fun because you put so much value into it actually continuing on and any opportunity to do new things that's just seen as a good deal and the reward and it's in the absence of food yeah and you can lots of the behaviors i suppose that you'll be able to use this for mm -hmm. so for example blink and middle Absolutely. so middle's really nice for her whereas something like easy magic hand actually you don't need any food yeah. it's actually just even the doing of that thing to be able to yeah. go back out to do something else it's such a nice way to look at um your dog having lots of opportunities and lots of reinforcers and lots yeah. of 
different experiences without ever needing to involve food. Yeah, absolutely. So guys, we, you've got a lot of strategies there. And to be honest, we could go on and on and on. And those of you in Training Academy, you'll know like 10 times more strategies because that's kind of the space where we've got more opportunity to talk about them. But what we want you to do is we don't want to overload you right now because we want you to take action and we want to tell you that this is absolutely possible. We know that you would love to be able to reward your dog without food. And the key is all that's stopping you now is taking action on what we've taught you. So with that, guys, that was this episode of the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. We'll see you next week in the next episode. And remember, stay sexy. Hey, before you go, have you taken part in the worldwide Sexier Than a Squirrel Challenge? It's a 25-day online video program. Huge energy, amazing community, and over 6,000 people are already taking part. The only question is, you know where you are today. Where do you want to be 25 days from now? Head to absolutedogs.me forward slash sexy. 